Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. We're at the end finally, right? Series that go six or eight or nine, usually we're like, oh man, I can't wait till this is over. But the Lord already gave me another series to start next week, and I'm so excited for that. But uh, I wanted to finish uh, this series in the book of Galatians. We've been going through the book. Uh, uh, It's called an expository teaching because we go through the book uh, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Now, I know that I haven't read every single verse, and I haven't, but you can go home and read those in context and see that the teaching fits everything that's being uh, uh, read there. And uh, so today is living to make a difference. And uh, it's part of our vision, actually, uh, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we believe here that if you're saved, you serve, right? right? And there's plenty of opportunity to do that. And we never, ever uh, uh, present to you uh, a need, because we don't want to fill a need. We want you to fulfill a purpose. It's completely different. So when you begin to fulfill your purpose, then that need, it gets filled, obviously, but it gets filled with someone who has the purpose to do that, right? right? So if we just say, we need somebody back here now, granted, my wife and I ended up in children's ministry for, uh, we just, we were just filling in a need in 1991 and we did it, uh, you know, on and off in different churches. We did it till 20 almost 2012 yeah 20 nah, almost 2012 so the lord called us into that ministry and we had no idea what was going on and for me you know my wife was raised southern baptist and that's why we forgive her but um, <laughs> she was she was raised southern baptist she knew the word she understood the word she understood who god was i i came off the streets and got saved and so it was a little different for me uh, but you know we learned so much in children's church I, I basically, it was like my Bible school, because you have to, and it's the basic stuff, and sometimes you, people are, you know, I'll mention somebody, I was at the funeral, and uh, I'll mention this, uh, uh, Chris Salamone and I used to love this portion of scripture, uh, I believe, I can't remember exactly, it's Old Testament, but it's about uh, one of David's mighty men, and his name was Benaiah, and it's a very short portion of scripture about who this guy is. How many of you ever heard of Benaiah? Okay, because I've taught it here, right? (laughs) Anyway, he jumped into a, uh, on a snowy day, jumped into a pit to kill a lion, instead of just walking by. And because of that, he was able to put that on his resume, and became one of David's main security guards, right? One of his main guys, because he, he could put on his, on his uh, thing that, hey, I jumped into a pit in a snowy day and killed a lion. He took the opportunity that he had, uh, you know, to, to be able to do what God had called him to do. And uh, so we were mentioning, I was mentioning that uh, Chris and I talk about that all the time. And I noticed that the person I was talking to had no idea what I was talking about. And it, it wasn't for me to brag that I knew or anything like that. I'm not, that's not who I am. But that's who I was for many years. And there's still many things that I don't know. But I learned these things as I was teaching them in, in children's church. 
right? So some, we've uh, uh, recruited some people and asked them to fill that purpose, uh, that need, not the need, but the opportunity in children's church. And they're like growing back there. They're like, oh man, I have to go home and read. And it's very basic and it's very easy to learn. So uh, we could always, you know, uh, uh, there's always opportunity in the children's ministry uh, for the elementary class and the uh, uh, two to four, and our nursery. We minister to our kids. We don't. That's not a daycare back there. We don't just care for our kids. I like to say that they have church back there, and then I watch you guys in here. So we we have adult care, adult care in here, and then our kids get ministered to back there. So you're only here so that we can minister to them, right? So, <laughs> but uh, but there's opportunities to make a difference in people's lives always, and that's through the church. So. Um, so we've been going through the book of Galatians. It's a corrective letter. I want to go ahead and start reading in Galatians chapter 1, uh, and we're going to read through uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 7. I'm going to break it up, uh, 1 through 5, and then 6 and 7. So Paul, an apostle, now listen to this, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. It's almost like he can't write or start a chapter without mentioning the gospel. And all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, here it is again, who gave himself for our sins, to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God, and you want to know God's will? Here it is, to rescue us from this present evil age through his Son, the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a way to start a letter, right? When you read that and you're like, oh man, I can't wait till it's next. Verse 6. I'm astonished. <laughs> I love you guys, but man. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You know, I, I find this interesting because in my, in my mind, I, I, I think, what, what would someone write there? Like someone today or, or someone, a pastor maybe, or, or an, an apostle or someone. What would they, I'm astonished that you have so quickly deserted the church. You have so quickly deserted your, call, your, your, uh, your purpose or your call. You so quickly deserted the word. You so quickly went back to your sin. You so quickly, but he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't point out the person. He doesn't point out the problem. He doesn't point out the church. He, doesn't, he points out, you have so quickly deserted what? The one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You've turned from the one who called you that gives you grace, right. which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. It was all about grace, all about the gospel, all about accepting what God did through Jesus for us. See, the book of Galatians is simply a book to help restore the church in Galatia, and I believe the church of today, to stay free and keep the right perspective when it came to the gospel. And I've said this before, and I don't want any of my, you know, because some of my comments sound negative because we're trying to, we're calling it restoration of the church. And basically we're restoring, the church is us. Right. 
So if we're going to restore the church, we don't, we're not talking about restoring an organization. We're talking about restoring where we're at. And if each one of us gets restored into the proper gospel, then each one of us will create the church that is what God intended it to be, right? Because right? that's we are. We are the church. So that's why they're all called living by, living by, right? Number one was living in the tree of life. We talked about the two gospels. Part two was living the crucified life, staying in the tree of life. Part three was living in grace. I love that one. The free gift, not earned. Part four was living in relationship with God. That kind of holds everything together. Part five was living by the Spirit, which we covered. And today we're talking about living to make a difference. And this is what the book of Galatians is. He's calling them to live their life differently so that the church could be viewed according to the gospel, not according to how much the pastor knows or how much he can preach or how deep the word is. And I understand the word needs to get to a place where it becomes chewable and not just drinkable, right? We have to, we have to be able to grow in, in, in our, our ways and grow in our Christianity and grow in our knowledge of the word. I get all that, right? But We've grown in so much knowledge and we've gathered so many, so many Bible schools and so many things. I'm not against all that. I went to, to seminary and then I went to Bible college and got a degree in pastoral studies and, and counseling. So I, I'm not against all that. We should educate ourselves, right, to, uh, to show thyself approved, as it says. So th there's nothing wrong with that. The, the problem here with that is that we don't educate ourselves for, our, to, for, our, for us to be glorified in front of people. And we have people that have plenty, plenty of knowledge, but they don't live half of what they know. Right. I'm still trying to catch up, right? There's things that we know. Even Paul said it, I do what I don't want to do, and then I don't do what I do want to do, and, you know, all the doo-doos, right? I, it's like, come on. He even struggled with that. That's why the gospel is so important, because it's based on grace, and if we learn to live according to this, we will grow, definitely. Why? Because when we mess up, grace comes in, yeah. God loves us, and because of his love, I want to do better. Because of his love, I don't have to, I want to. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance, as it says. Not the judgment, not the long finger, not the evangelist telling you you're going to hell. No, it's the goodness of God. That's the gospel. And that's what's, what's been kind of uh, uh, taken out of uh, the church a lot is that we don't hear the gospel as much. And it's hard because sometimes the Lord speaks to me about what I need to be ministering and he'll speak to me about it and then I'll say, well, how do I fit the gospel in there? How do I, how do I somehow talk about grace and talk about love and talk about your gospel? We need to be preaching the gospel everywhere we go. And that's what we're trying to do by restoring ourselves is by understanding that there's grace enough it's sufficient enough yeah. for us to be able to grow in the lord so paul understood the difference uh from the old from the law of the old testament and the law of christ there's there are two different ones and uh, jesus did everything based on love so galatians chapter 6 and we'll move on now in, in verse 14 it says may i never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, Paul understood that his life was not centered on a code or an Old Testament law or religion. We got plenty of that going on. 
His life was centered on a person. That's completely different. So through that person, Jesus, he experienced freedom. We think that we're going to experience freedom if we stop doing certain things. If we behave a certain way, if we speak Christianese, if we, you know, if there's a certain, and, and we created this mold for the church that it's not God's mold anymore. It's our own. It's what we think we should look like. And the church should look like whatever God wants it to look like. And it's going to be different. When you go out and represent the church, you're going to look different than me. But the, the, the foundation of what we believe is the gospel. So we're not centered on a code or, or an Old Testament law or religion. When you see somebody addicted to drugs or, or alcohol or, or mistreating their, their wife or their children or anything, our, our hearts, and I, I understand because I, I, I think these things sometimes myself, is, man, I, I'd like to take that person out back and slap the addiction out of them, you know? And we, we want to do something. Our motive is good. Our heart is in the right place. We're just approaching it differently. We're approaching it in a way that we want to change that person rather than just give them the gospel and let God change them because we really can't. And we want to tell them, you got to stop doing this, you got to stop doing that, and you got to. And what do we do? We run them off because we create a standard of our own that they can't live by. Ah, I'm going to keep going. Through Jesus, we too have experienced freedom. When we first get saved, we accept that free gift. Uh, I was explaining this to somebody the other day. I said, righteousness is a gift. It's free. And as we walk out this relationship that God yearns to have with us, he wanted this relationship so bad that he gave his only begotten son to have it. Paid the ultimate price. God yearns to have it with us, but we somehow try to earn it. Going back to grace. We go to, from the tree of life back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like Tarzan, we keep swinging back and forth between these two trees. This behavior, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you'll have to listen to the first uh, couple of um, uh, sermons on this series. The behavior causes our relationship with God to become unrelational. And we begin to do things by our own. And what do we do? We look at ourselves and we try to create what we think God wants of us. And we do that outside of him. We start reading this and we start to create something like this is how I'm supposed to look. And this is what I'm supposed to say. And this is how I'm supposed to behave. And this is the Bible I'm supposed to carry. And this is right. And we create this is what a pastor's supposed to look like. This is how they're supposed to act like. Listen, there are. Uh, prerequisites and things for a bishop and a leader, a spiritual leader in the Bible. And there are lists of things in Timothy and Titus, and you can go there and read those things. But those are not just for us. Just because God calls us to, to be in the fivefold ministry doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Because being a Christian for me means the same thing as it does for you. The thing is not to try and do those things on our own, because what happens, we begin to boast. 
look at me, I quit this, and look at me, I look, you know, how I used to look like, and look at me, and, and check me out, and how much word I know, and I can quote scripture back and forth, and, and, you know, you should have to do the same, and I can't believe that you've been, you know, and I've been in this church for 20 years, and, I, and, we, and we, we have our, our little badges and our little things that we wear, you know. I remember this guy uh, years and years ago. He used, to, he used to wear his jacket or a shirt with a pocket in it, and he would put his tithe envelope in a way that you could see how much it was. He would put it there, and then he'd walk around. <laughs> hey, how are you? How you doing? <laughs> Thank you. And there's your sign. <laughs> Nothing. You guys, somebody, a couple of you understand what I'm saying. There's your reward. Right? He got his reward. Everybody went, ooh, look at him. Look at the size of, ooh, look at him. And what do we do? All right, we puff and we huff and we blow the house down, right? We, <laughs> we want to be this, what are we doing? I want a relationship with God. That's all God wants. He doesn't want us to turn into these robots, into these people that, you know. I was start, somebody said, and I have these conversations quite often, and sometimes people get mad at me. We were talking about blessing, and oh, I drive a nice car, and you know, and sometimes, and don't get mad at me if you have the word blessing on your car, but sometimes you see these Escalades and stuff, and they write this big bless, you know, and it is a blessing to have a car, right? It is a blessing to have a house, but we want to, according to the size of your house, and the kind of car you drive, and the, right, we want to say God has really... That's not true. I'm so sorry to say that. Because even the people in the world who don't even believe in God have those things. So why is it owning those things makes me look more Christian-like because I have God on my side and he has blessed me with those things? That's not what Christianity is. Now, does, if you're a giver and you're in the kingdom and you do uh, give and you're blessed, yes. You get promotions at work and you make more money. That's all part of being in the kingdom and, and, and being a giver. Because whatever seed you plant, don't be a fool. Whatever you plant, you shall also reap, right? So if you're planting seed, yes, it shall give it back to you. Press down, shaken together and running over. I, you know, he shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's my shepherd, I shall not want. We could quote all the prosperity scriptures right now and go through them and everybody would be hooting and hollering. But because you're prospered doesn't mean that you know God. Doesn't mean that you represent him well. Am I okay? Are you guys, some of you are like, eh, I don't know about all that. I've been taught this, you know, when the prosperity message was out there, that's not what people say. And those guys know what they're doing. They, they wear alligator skin boots and, and drive Mercedes and, you know. And I don't have anything against that. You want to know my, I normally don't give my opinion. I believe that the rich in the kingdom of God are few and chosen by God to be given those millions and billions of dollars. Because only a few could not be distracted by the mammon and continue to have their relationship with God. I don't think it's for everybody. But when the prosperity message is out there, if you believe this, if you do that, if you do the other, then you're going to get all this stuff. God's not a sugar daddy. It's not about stuff. So, and I'm going to get back. I know I took a long way to get here, but 
It's about the gospel. If, if your time was right now, and you were, you were rich, you were a multimillionaire, billionaire, whatever, right? And God said, okay, you, you, can, you can keep what you have and be a billionaire for another 10 years, and then you die and go to hell. Or you can give up everything you have today and go to heaven. Who cares about all the money at that point? Right? I'm talking eternity here. It's all perspective. I've prayed over people in the hospital that were dying that were rich. And they would give every cent for another moment and another day with a family member. Or another moment and another day with their spouse. or Right? For just a... They would give it all up. No one laid in their deathbed and said, I wish I would have made more money. No one, no one does. Now, if I do have a regret, and I pray that I take care of that over the next 50, I'm going to live a long time. It's in my family. It's part of my bloodline. I'm going to live a long time. So I'm going to preach the gospel for a long time. So at the end, I want to be able to say everyone who came in contact with me had an opportunity to, to receive Jesus. I want to know that I gave the gospel to as many possible people as I as many people as I possibly can. There's richness in that for sure. <laughs> The experience of freedom. So now, freedom is, I don't have to, I get to. That's what freedom is. We think that freedom is like, oh, I get to do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Freedom is, you don't have to do these things anymore. You get to. Because he made me free. How would you not want to serve a God that loved you so much that he gave his only son, or gave himself to die for you. It's the, that's what separates us from all religions. Because all religions have their, their Muhammads and their Buddhas and, their, and their, their, you know, their prophets and their kings and these people, right? And they, these religions are, require their people who join to sacrifice something of their own to be a part, even their own lives. But ours, we are called in because our God, our King, our Savior gave His life for us. They can't say that. And on top of that, our tomb is empty. So I don't have to read my Bible. I get to. I get to be a part of what God is saying. If He came down and spoke to you in your room, You would want to do it. You'd be there every day at the same time waiting for him to talk to you when he's talking to you all the time. We're, we're fascinated with these kind of things. We don't want the simple. I don't have to pray. I get to. I don't have to go to church. I get to. I don't even have to serve. I get to. I don't even have to tithe. Are you really a pastor? Yes, I am. I don't have to tithe. I get to. Listen, in my circles, I'm the outcast. I'm the one that's like, I've even had a pastor tell me, you don't have the anointing to pick up tithes and offerings. I said, okay. I'm glad that's not my anointing anyway. 
Mine is to love people. Well, that's everybody's. Exactly. Exactly right. The Holy Spirit does a much better job. <laughs> I don't have to. I get to. That's how it all started with Abraham. He didn't have to. He did it because he wanted to recognize God gave him the victory. Yeah. Now that we have experienced this freedom, Paul wants to teach us one more thing. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, says, You, my brothers and sisters, say, that's me, we're called to be free. Woohoo! We like our freedom, right? But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Freedom comes before service. If you're trying to serve to get freedom, you got it backwards. People serve because they're free, because you've experienced this freedom. We don't want to slip out of the get to back to the have to, right? I was made free to serve. I don't serve to be made free. All of over 600 commands in the Old Testament was summed up in love God and love others. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. This love is relational. You cannot love out of duty or obligation. Right. Imagine that. I love you, babe, because I have to. You just took away the I love you, babe. Right? right? I love you, babe. And then the response, thank you. You ever seen that in a movie, in shows, right? They say, I love you too early. And the person responds, oh, that's nice. <laughs> when you're, you're hoping they say, I love you back, but you don't get it back, right? I'd rather have that than out of obligation or out of duty. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. We don't want to carry each other's burdens. We want to tell others how to get rid of their burdens because we've done it ourselves. And look at me. But listen, behind closed doors, you got burdens too. Right? But we are called to help each other. And what do we do? We don't want to share our burdens with each other. We don't want to share our weaknesses with each other because then we don't look like we're supposed to. We already don't look like, we, well, like we're supposed to because we don't do that. It says in the book of Acts that they had all things in common. So the people who were poor and didn't have something to eat would come, right, and help. And the ones that did have plenty would come and help those. And, and they were back. Everyone had everything they ever needed because they shared everything. But we don't want to do that. We want to, we want to, oh, Jesus, Lord God Almighty. We want to get into, I don't know why I keep going back to this, but we want to get into debt so we can drive a nice car, so we can show people how much God has blessed us. Is that a blessing? Now you got to pay six, eight hundred, nine. I've heard people tell me that their car payment, and I look at them and I'm like, that's my mortgage payment. That's what I pay for mortgage. That's more than I pay on both my cars.
Move on, Pastor Rick, please. <laughs> carry each other's burdens. Carry them. Not point them out. Not right. Carry them. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Talk about restoring the church. We need to learn how to love one another. Christianity is the only... Uh, 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 you know, in the military, no, sir, no soldier left behind, right? Not in Christianity. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to mess with that person. And, you know, they messed up. Well, you know, they got what they deserved, and, and we move on, right? We want, we want to, they're hurt, and they're on the ground, and we just want to put them out of their misery, right? As we experience freedom and are loved by God unconditionally, we get to love others in the same way we have been loved. Remember, we get to, not we have to. Your life should make a difference. We're finally there. I'm, this is my introduction. Your life should make, and I'm kidding. Your life should make a difference in others because you have experienced something awesome. You have experienced love, so you share love. You have experienced freedom, so you share freedom. You have experienced peace, so you share peace. You have experienced a great cat video, so you share a great cat video. You experience a great restaurant, what do you do? Man, the food over there is awesome. You share a great restaurant. We want to share all the experiences we have in life, and we don't want to share the experiences that we have in Christianity. Talk about share. It's on everything. Facebook, TikTok, whatever, you know. I'm only on Facebook and I barely want to do that. You sit there and you share stuff and videos and, you know, and, and, and I, some of it's great because I get to see, you know, people that I haven't seen in a while and I get to see my grandkids doing stuff in, in their home that I, they're, they're not doing in mine. So it's kind of interesting. It's great to use for those things. But, man, we need to learn to share our experience of love our experience of freedom, our experience of peace with others. Share the Gospels. Live to make a difference. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers and live according to the word and don't have any sin in their life and they dress right and they... No. That's what's awesome about the church is we got all kinds of people at different stages in their Christian walk and in different places and we don't get to determine where they should be at what year in their Christianity. That's not up to us. So if they're 10 years, 15 years and they're still struggling with something... We should be there to rescue them and to love them and to help them through that situation. Not to say, come on, man, it's been that long. You should, you should already, come on, God's already delivered you. You're not supposed to feel, have mental disabilities and have depression and anxiety. You know, when somebody tells you, don't be anxious, because the Bible says be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Don't be anxious for nothing. What does that do? It makes you anxious you got to read through that portion of Scripture, and I, I can't leave it there now because I'm going to leave you guys, whoa, whoa, what does that mean? It tells you what to do. Meditate on these things. 
Those that are virtuous, praiseworthy, of good report, loving, right? Meditate on those things. So he's telling you, be anxious for nothing. This is how you, how you do it. This is how you do it. Not just be anxious for nothing. Because you tell somebody that's anxious, and that's a big deal now. Anxiety, depression, we don't even want to talk about it. I said this the other day in a group of people, and, and everybody kind of, sh- you know, Shut down because it was a small group, but in a group like this. With the amount of people that are here, there's probably 30, 40% of you that are on some kind of mental medication. Don't, don't raise your hand. Mental medication right now. And this is my take on that. Okay? You ready? Just my take. It's a disease. It's a physical ailment. In some cases, it's spiritual. But we want to make everything spiritual. Oh, that's a demonic thing. It's not always that case. Very, very seldom is it that. Especially in our world. Now, if we lived in Africa or some of these Caribbean islands, I would say, yeah, there's a major demonic influence in some of these places because it's allowed. It's worshipped. It's right. But in our case, it's not that much. And it's caused by our environment and some of the things that we do and the way that we think and imbalances of the brain, your serotonin levels and all this stuff that happens, right? We have these things. And what do we, we want to say? Oh, you're not supposed to. No, it's okay. You have something. There's a medicine for it. My, if you're able to be delivered up front and be prayed for, then let's do that, if that's where your faith is. But if you're on a medicine that's going to help you, know that that's not a lifetime thing. Until I get my head right, and I stand on this word, this will help me get there. You think God is going, I can't believe. No, he loves us. He loves us. The woman with the issue of blood spent all her money on doctors. She got to the end of her rope, but she did everything she possibly could. And then her faith kicked in and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. With our daughter Evelyn, she was born with a a tumor on her pituitary gland that could not be removed. It was in an area that they could not do surgery. And the outcome was very, very bad. In fact, she shouldn't be the age that she is right now and even have kids. And, and she has, a, 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 you know, our oldest grandson. And we took her to every doctor. We, we were people of faith. We prayed over her. We believed. We took her. We, we, you know, your children are not your faith experiment. You can't experiment faith on your kids. You think it's fair to them? What if your faith's not there? We believe in healing. I'm not, I'm not throwing. We believe that God heals. I believe that God healed everyone. Already. I just think it hasn't been manifested in our realm yet. And how do you do that? By your faith. Because by your faith you shall be made whole. Then what keeps it from coming? I don't know. Sometimes the answer to a question is, is uh, what it's not and not necessarily what it is. Did you guys understand that? So there are questions about some of these things that I can tell you. This is what it's not. But I can't really tell you what it is because I don't know. So what's the first sound you're going to hear when you get to heaven? Oh, ah, oh, man. We think we're going to start worshiping. No, we're going to know everything immediately, and then we're going to realize, oh, <laughs> right? No, I get it now, right? As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, no matter where they're at. That's my point. No matter if they're suffering from something, oh, you, you, you got this disease, you got this, you know, you got the C, 
You got, they call it the big C. I call it the little C because there is a big C. It's Christ. So they, right, they call it the C. And it's because of that. You know, it's because of your unforgiveness and your heart. And bless their loving hearts and their stupid minds, as uh, <laughs> Brother Hagen used to say. Bless their loving hearts and their stupid minds. I've done that. I have done that. I have said that to somebody. I've made that mistake. But you grow and you learn. and right. That's the thing is if the church would be willing to be molded and grow, we would be exactly what God wanted us to be. But we got it all figured out. We got it all figured out. No, man, I'm always before the Lord. Lord, what do you want from us? What do you want from me? What do you want from us? Living to make a difference. So uh, number one is identify your sphere of influence. I'm just going to run through these. There's three of them. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.13, English Standard Version. The King James Version actually uses the word sphere. But uh, I like this one. It says, but we, all, we will not boast beyond limits or sphere, but also boast only with re- regard to the area or sphere of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. There are people in your life that I am never going to meet or know or reach or be able. There, there are places that you go, your workplace. You, we think that we go to work to pick up a paycheck on Friday. You got to change that mentality. Yeah. You go to a place where there are people because you are the only God they will ever see. Yeah. You're the only gospel they will ever hear. If you change, if you hate your job, Do it this way tomorrow. Wake up in the morning and pray and say, thank you, Lord, that that I'm going to be able to go to these people, especially my boss. I really hate that one. You know, they're just bitter. So don't be bitter and don't be mad and don't respond with with the same thing that they're giving you. Respond with love and respond with happiness and joy, right? One of the things they said about Chris Salomon, he says, you could, ha- you could be having a bad day, and if Chris came into your day, your day would change. Yeah. Always smiling, always, right? You, he could change anybody's day in just a moment. These were testimonies of people that were getting up and, and talking about him. What a testimony. You're where you are for a reason and a purpose. You work where you work because of the sphere of influence that you have there. You've been given God-ordained people uh, uh, or a sphere of influence. If you love those around you, then love those around uh, uh, you as best as you can. Sooner or later, right? You love those around you, I love those around me, and sooner or later our spheres overlap each other. These are the, the... Three spheres. Our people, the closest to you, family, friends. You know you influence those most, most of all. Who do you influence, influence the most in your life? Yourself. You can talk yourself into and out of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Better than your spouse, better than anybody else. Yeah. Right? Try to influence yourself through God. Right? So you influence your, our people. We influence our place, your work school, neighborhood, and you influence in the place of your passions, sports, extracurricular activity. Your passions will lead you to a certain place that will lead you to certain people. 
when I, when I used to golf and, and I would go by myself or go with somebody, and, and uh, sometimes I just want to go and get away, and I, Lord, please don't put anybody with us, you know? But if you know how it works, sometimes if you go with two or you go by yourself, they put you with somebody so that, you know, the golf course wants to make more money. So they, they, they want to put at least four people together in two golf carts, and, and they, they make more money that way. So sometimes they put me with people, and, um, oh, Lord, it's already time. Um, can you turn that back just about 10 minutes? Okay. I was put with this guy and his friend, and this guy had, and when you're on the golf course, there's something about telling jokes. I don't know what it is, but at every hole, this guy told a dirty joke. And, you know, and I would give that, that, that's, that fake grin, you know, that you kind of go like this, and, you know, it's kind of like, that's gross. I don't want to hear that, you know? And, <laughs> <laughs> and you swing at the ball and you try to get in your car and move on and you get to the green and then you're on the green and there he goes again he wants to finish the joke or tell you another one and we got about seven holes in man this guy's just driving me crazy and then the question comes what do you do for a living <laughs> oh lord jesus um i pastor a church in orange city oh i'm going to hell I'm going to hell. I was like, why would you say that? He goes, I just said all those nasty things to a pastor. And I just go, it's okay. It's not me you had to worry about. <laughs> you worried about the wrong person. It's not me. I said, you're good, man. Don't worry. If that's something that you need to do, right, then do it. He couldn't understand that because I didn't ask him to stop. I didn't tell him I didn't want to, even though I did want him to stop, and I didn't want to hear those things anymore. I didn't ask him to. It was just his, I didn't want to make him uncomfortable. But forget it. The next, you know, he couldn't hit the ball. <laughs> the next 12 holes, he was terrible. <laughs> he condemned himself to hell. But I told him, it's okay, man. And then at the end, he shook my hand, and he goes, you're all right. You're not like any of the other ones. I said, yeah, you're always welcome in our church. And, you know, they always tell you, oh, I can't come in there, man, the, you know. The roof will fall down and, and, you know, God will strike me dead if I come to church. And I was like, no, they let me in there, so <laughs> you, can, you can come. Your, your, our people are placed in our passions as our places of influence. Acts 17, 26. From one, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. You think you ended up here because you think that you ended up living where you're living because you chose. You think that you're working where you're You think that you're in this church. No, God has orchestrated the whole thing. Now, are we missing out why we're there? That's what we're missing. But you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. Make a difference. Number two, meet them in their place of need. So your sphere of influence, and now in their place of need. Galatians uh, 6, chapter 2, chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Share each other's burdens. In uh, Matthew 25, uh, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those uh, on his right, Come and you will be blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king, capital K, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This scripture helped me through a, a, a homeless ministry. I, I, I read it two or three times a week, and I, and I would quote it on the way to work as I prayed, because, man, it is difficult sometimes to help people that don't want to help themselves. It's difficult to help people that are lying to you every day so they can get something that they want. It's difficult, but I kept reminding myself, if I do it for one of these, Lord, it is as if I'm doing it for you. It changes your perspective. Do all that you do unto Jesus. Number three, point them to Jesus and his church. This is the part that we struggle with. That's why we're trying to restore the church. Point them to Jesus and his church. We can share a burden, but only Jesus can take that burden away. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yes, Lord, I'll take your yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at Psalms 92, verses 12 through 15. But the, God, the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. I love this scripture. 13. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. All you gray-haired people in the house and no-haired people in the house, even in old age, they will still produce fruit and they will remain vital and green. How? In the house. In the house. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. People are transplanted into the church that are transplanted will be healthy and strong and they will produce fruit yes. that remains. If the church is not producing fruit and causing people to grow and be strong in the Lord, something is wrong. Something is wrong. The church has a purpose. And it's not to, oh, i got to be careful here because I don't want to sound critical of other churches. We were not called to build $10 million buildings. If we need that space, then we need it. Thank God that we need it. But you know how many empty buildings there are? Every time I drive by that old Publix that now they sell furniture in, every time I drive by that old Publix, man, I, get, I said, Lord, one day I would love to take that building, cut it in half, turn in the other half into a civic center, and open it to the public for free. And then have the other half as the church and have our youth and everything in that building because it's huge. And then the Walgreens that was next door, imagine that. Ooh. I look at that building all the time and I, I look up there at that sign, you know, that billboard, and I think, new life, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? And it's not because I want a big building. It's because I want to be able to minister to my community better with more. That's why I want to turn half of it into a civic center. And be able to invite people to come and be a part and hear the gospel. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. 
So that's what we, we need to see. How do you find a, a, live, a church that's alive? It's not because the Holy Spirit's moving and people are rolling on the ground praying in tongues. And, and yeah, those are all part of the Spirit being here. And we're going to learn that in the next few weeks about what the Spirit's uh, uh, purpose is in the church. But it's not for what we think because we, we see these Pentecostal movements and we're seeing a movement of God in our nation right now and it's not like it was before. And some people are saying that's not God. High schoolers are meeting in Texas at the flag in the morning to pray, and the principal has to come out and get these groups of high schoolers to get them back into class because they're not going to school. Because they were praying and they didn't want to leave. Praying at the pole, praying at at the flagpole. They used to do it once a year. National Day of Prayer, they would all get together at the, at the flagpole and pray for their nation. They're doing it on a regular basis now. Quiet and still. God's moving on this nation. We don't even recognize it because we want to say this is how it's supposed to be. Who are we? We're not God. He is. Last scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Choose freedom every day. Live your life to make a difference. Live your life to make a difference in others. If we get anything out of this series, it's we as individuals are the church. And there's things in our lives and mentalities and ways that we do things that has to change. And uh, I'm just going to give you a quick, uh, uh, you know, what we're going to start next week. There's four parts of the church that need to be, we're calling it rebranding instead of restoring rebranding the church and um, we want to talk about money we want to talk about the holy spirit we want to talk about worship why do we worship the way that we worship and why do we do things the way that we do right we want to talk there's there's another one i can't remember what it was but um we want to rebrand these things and and one of the biggest ones is if you go invite somebody to church a lot of them will say they just want my money they just want my money or I, I saw that pastor that drives around in a limo and, you know, and, and lives this way and lives that way. And, you know, I'm not here to criticize that, per, that, that pastor, but I can see how the world looks upon that. I can see why they think those things. Sometimes we don't know. We see Joe Osteen and, you know, they talk bad about him, but he doesn't take a penny from the church. All his money comes from books that he wrote. He wrote bestsellers and sold millions of them, and, and he lives really well. I hope to write a book and do that. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Because of that, he doesn't take a salary from the church. But then everybody looks and sees and says, wow, look at this. You don't know. But sometimes it is wrong, and sometimes, right? That's why we need to rebrand the church. We need the world to see what's really happening and what we really believe. When you mention the Holy Spirit, that's it. That's that. Oh, they pray in tongues over there. 
We believe in that here. We pray in tongues. My wife and I are baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's probably half of you in here that are. Some of you are still in the middle kind of trying to figure it out. Some of you are like, I don't want anything to do with that. But nobody forces anything on you. Remember the days when we, we would have the, and you, wouldn't, you weren't allowed to leave the building until you were praying in tongues. You ever, you ever get leaned back? They keep going and going and going and going, right? And then you become like the matrix. You're like leaning. You don't want to fall down. I've been slain in the spirit maybe two or three times in 35 years of being a, a Christian. And it was real. It was, I lost control of my body and I hit the ground. But the other times where I've been pushed, I hit the ground just so they quit pushing me. But we need to understand what the Holy Spirit's job and purpose is in the church. It's not about, it is about praying in tongues. Yes, it's, it's a gift that we get. But man, we missed it because we focus on that because we are fascinated with those things we don't understand. And we need to quit being so fascinated and start to really ask God, what are you doing with us and through us and by us? And we want to do that no matter how unfascinated you are with it. <laughs> Stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Lord. I hope this, this series has been a blessing to you. And it's not just that it would be a blessing to you, but that we would do something with it. Right. And, and that we would really change how the world sees the church. That's what I want. I want people to be able to come and visit and go, wow, I didn't expect that at all. That's not what I expected. There's, the people there are loving and caring and welcoming and you know, that's, that's what I want. Yeah. Lord, that's what we want. That's our heart, Father. Send us the lost. We want the harvest. That's why we're here. That's what this building is, a storehouse for the harvest. Help me personally, Lord, as, a, as the pastor here and the under-shepherd to this church, that I would be led by the head of the church, Jesus Christ himself, that I would minister to your people according to your will and do everything according to what you want the church to be and look like and its purpose. I want to fulfill the church's purpose on earth. I'm sorry, Lord. We repent for what we've turned it into. But that's not enough. We are here to work and to do what you've called us to do, to make it what you intended it to be, Father. We can't mess anything up so bad that you can't restore it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you are restoring not just new life, Lord, but this is a message that I, I know other pastors are hearing and the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Help us, Father to be that, that we would represent you properly. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, 
orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church. You will never be the same.